Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Well, good morning, everybody. How are you today? Yeah. Happy New Year. My name is Danny Rivers, and I'm one of the pastors here at LifePoint, and we are so, so glad you're here. Those of, us, of you who are worshiping with us online, welcome as well. Thank you for inviting us into your homes, your offices, wherever you're at today. It's such a good day to have you here. Listen, uh, what a privilege it was to have uh, Graylin Griffin leading worship with us today. Give it up for him real quick. Yeah. Uh, Brandon is on vacation with his family, and Graylin has been a friend of ours, his wife and his sister-in-law and f- the whole crew, his mom and dad, friends of ours for many, many years, and uh, just such a cool thing to have them here with us today, so thank you for being with us here. You know, uh, a lot of people love to start at a new year uh, by giving it one word, a word that you're going to use to define um, your year or you hope that will define your year. Uh, we saw that this week on social media. Our team put that out there, and folks were saying, this is my one word, and, and they were all such good words, and I was thinking about that as well. Next week, we're going to start a brand new series, our New Year's series, but today, kind of a standalone, but what we're going to do with this notion today, we're going to call this one word, and we're gonna, it's going to pop up all throughout the year on first Wednesdays, on standalone days where we don't have a series going. We're just going to give you one word and just kind of talk about that one word. My one word for today is the word engage. And I've been thinking about that a lot in light of 2020, in light of where I'm at personally. Um, and, and what I mean is that I want to engage uh, in my faith uh, like, like I have never before be- done. And, and I want to engage the purposes of God in my life like never before. In, in other words, I don't want to just sort of be a bystander um, to what God is going to do throughout this year uh, in 2021. I don't want to just applaud others. Like I want to be in on it. I want to engage God's purposes. I want to be fully devoted to God in ways that I haven't been uh, before. You know, so when I think about the word engagement, I think about the kind of times where you get really fired up about something, where you give a lot of energy, a lot of focus, a lot of time to something. I want you to think about something like that in your own life maybe that's something that you enjoy, a hobby, whatever it is that you're just really fired up about. For, for me right now, my wife will vouch for this, I'm really fired up about playing golf again. And I know you're going, typical, bro, you're 49-year-old dude. Yeah, I can't play basketball anymore because I get hamstrings, like calves, you know, everything. I can't walk for a week. Come on, y'all. So I'm like, dude, I'm done, I'm done hurting myself every time I try to. And, and by the way, those of you who used to play some sport, I, I was decent at basketball. Your brain still knows what to do, right? But your body's like, nah. So I play basketball, and I like to talk smack. Those, maybe you, that's an old 80s word, but I like to run some noise. So I'll be like, I'll, I'll put a move on a dude, and I'll be like, where are you at, you know? And I'll do a finger roll like George Gervin from back in the day, and it'll just be an air ball. And I'll be like, what just happened right now? So I'm going to play golf, you know? You don't have to be an athlete to play golf, you know what I'm saying? And I hadn't played in years, other than a couple of times. Gil, where are you at? Gil's right over here somewhere. Gil played with me about a year ago, uh, and he knows, he'll vouch for you how bad it was. I have, I have 20-year-old golf clubs, and they were used when I got them. The grips were so slippery that I sprayed stick them, like for bat, baseball bats, on them, just to try to be able to hang on to them and not kill somebody across the way. 
I had no golf shoes, I had no golf clothes. The golf balls that I had were ones that I found in the woods while looking for my golf ball, which I hid out in the woods. And you know, you're like, it's like an Easter egg hunt out there. You're like, sweet, you know, and it's not been chewed up by a lawnmower, it's good, you know. And so my doctor told me the last time, my kidney doctor was like, dude, you, need to, you gotta fight the stress in your life. You gotta, you gotta get that off of you. You need to do something. I was like, I'm gonna play golf, you know. Of course, it's very stressful because I still stink. Come on, somebody. And, you know, it's a good thing that you pray a lot because if you had a bad word in your heart when you play golf, it'll come out, you know. So is that too much? You're like, you shouldn't have said that. But it didn't. I'm just saying it wasn't in my heart. Praise God. Anyways, um, so got new clubs, uh, got real golf shoes. My wife bought me pants and a shirt, so I have, that's the only outfit. I have two shirts, and, and so I'm going to be wearing those every time I play. I'm fired up about golf right now. I got to play last Sunday after the, we had, we had, we had uh, the, the, the Sabbath Sunday. We watched the service as a family, and then I went out with my brother-in-law. He's, he's connected to rich people. They paid, let me on to this private course. Seriously, and I, would, I didn't even know this course existed. I had to punch buttons at the gate and be like, seriously, let me in. I need to play. I got And it was one of those deals. And, and I played halfway decent, and so I was like, yes. You know, I can't wait to go again. You know, we all have stuff that fires us up. And, 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 and what I'm saying right here at the beginning of this year is I, 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 my dream for me, my dream for those of you who call LifePoint home, I, I want your thing that fires you up more than any other thing, to be God and God's purposes in your life. Like, I want us to participate and get involved with and pursue and commit, engage in our faith like never before. There's this passage of scripture um, that I have grown up reading. In this Bible, I've had, I don't know, 25, 30 years, maybe, probably 30 years, and when we started LifePoint Church, my wife and I moved from Houston here. This is my home, but we were, we were working in Houston. And I, before this church ever existed, before we had a team, before we knew anybody was going to help us do this, I would walk around in my room after everybody was gone, and I would pray from this text. I would pray this text over this church uh, because it means so much. And, and this is Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And here's what it says. You can see it on the screen here. It says, they devoted themselves, and, and the, the they there is this first group of Christians who were coming into the faith. They devoted themselves to several things, to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, which means they were gathering together in smaller groups, to the breaking of bread, which means they had food. Come on, y'all. They had food at these gatherings, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles, all the believers were together. Would you say that word? They were together, right? And had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave, this is another trait, they gave to anyone as they had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, um, which was their church at the time. They, they broke bread in their homes. They ate twice. Come on, y'all, they ate twice. They had carne asada and big red every time. Uh, in my mind, they did. Um, and, and the, in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And here's the sort of net result of that, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people in their community. Um, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. 
So it's a group of people that had never existed before in human history. There was never, had never been a people like these people. There had never been a movement that was started with these people. There had never been one like it before this time. These people literally changed the course of human history. Now remember, this is coming on the heels of that great outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. It's the, in the same chapter. Uh, these people were baptized in the Spirit. They, were, they received power from on high, one, Acts 1.8 says. And it was revolutioning, uh, revolutionizing their life. And they were getting real clear on what mattered. They were getting real clear on what didn't matter. All this by the leadership, the guidance of the Spirit. But the key was that they devoted themselves. They engaged in what God had given them. They were engaged in every aspect of their faith at such a high level that the end result was that they enjoyed favor with all the people, but the Lord was adding to their congregation, to their group, daily people who were being saved. Daily. It wasn't just on the sort of weekends. It was every day. Because they moved towards God, God moved towards them in response. You got to catch this. The Bible says that God is actually out looking for people who will be like that. Second Chronicles 69 says, for the eyes of the Lord, look at this, range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are what? Fully committed to him. That this is like God's like, if I can just find some people who will pull, will, will rally together, will pull, push towards me, I'm going to show up and strengthen them. You might underline that in your, in, your, in your Bible there, if you have your Bibles, just underline that. He will strengthen them. When you are engaged with God, when you are devoted to the things that these people were devoted to, he becomes the primary source of strength in your life. You don't have to be self-reliant. You don't have to be to pretend to have it all together because, come on, nobody does. You don't have to have all of the answers because he does. Some of us, truth is, is we lack spiritual power in our lives, and as a result, we're tossed around by fear or anger or worry or frustrations or disappointment or image management. Like we have to try to manage what everybody thinks about us. We live as a result on this roller coaster of, of emotionalism. And, and, and God says, listen, those of you who this would define, I'm looking for people to strengthen people in their inner being, to strengthen people whose hearts are fully committed, engaged, devoted to him. So what does all that look like, practically speaking? Well, we read about it in the text, right? Look, look at it again. This is the DNA of that first group of Christians. By, by the way, this is the DNA of, or should be of every church. This is what we do, man. This is who we are. It says they devoted themselves to the teachings of the apostles. They, they, were, they were getting in to God's word. They were, they were having fellowship with each other. They were gathering in other groups, smaller groups. They were devoted to prayer. This is why we start every year with 21 days of prayer. This is why, because this is what it's about. They were generous with what they had to make sure that people in their community were taken care of. They were gathering together in the temple courts, which was the, the only sort of gathering place they had. They were meeting in homes in much smaller groups. So let, let me summarize it like this. 
this is, this is what it is. This is what we read in the text. Can you put the first one up there for me? We serve. This is what we see them doing. They're serving their community. We get on the team, whether it's the team here that we call the dream team, or it's somewhere around, around the city, wherever it is, we serve the purposes of God on a team. Number two, we gather. We see them gathering. They, it, in their case, they were doing it daily, right? But, but weekends, there's worship, there's things that be done. It's a priority for those who are engaged. It's a priority to gather on a regular basis. It's just a priority. The other things are always going to come secondary to gathering with God's people. Number three, they, we see that they grew. We're growing. They, they, were, they were praying. They were in the scriptures. So you and I, we arrange our lives around certain practices like prayer, like the reading of scripture, or the memorization of scripture, or fasting, or whatever it is, and growth becomes the byproduct of people who engage those kinds of things. This is, again, why we're doing 21 days of prayer and fasting. We give. We see this in the text. We give talents, time, resources. There was a generosity of heart, like whatever I have, I want to put it to work uh, in the kingdom of God. And then lastly, they were connecting. We connect in, in groups. They were meeting in groups. They were grouping up away from whatever happens on the weekends. They were doing this for accountability. They were doing this to grow. They were doing this because Hebrews says that we're supposed to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. They're doing this. They're, they're doing it for friendships. They're, they're getting people, we, we call this friends in faith, people who are going the same direction with you. They, they were doing this. This is what we read that the people who were engaged in their faith were doing. This is next level living. This is when life isn't just about me and and my story, but it's about the larger story of God and what he's doing in the world and what he's doing in our city and what God's doing in our homes and in our neighborhoods. Growth is the byproduct. God shows up strong, and that's what we need. We need, ladies and gentlemen, we need a move of God. Come on, somebody, we need a move of God. But I want to tell you that many moves of God begin with moves of men and women towards God. That's what happens when men and women go, hey, man, I don't want to flounder anymore. I want to take a step. I want to take a stand. I want to move towards God. God moves in response. So moves of God are often started by moves of men and women, right? Now, let me be clear. This is not about earning God's love. This is not about, you know, tricking God into believing that you're a good person, right? We could never earn his love. We we can never merit his favor or his grace in in our lives. This has nothing to do with it. There's nothing that you and I can accomplish that would achieve this for us. But God, if you read the scriptures, God always involves your faith and your works before he supernaturally brings his grace, his miraculous power into situations. Go read the miraculous stories of the Bible. It always starts out with what's in your hand, what's in your house, what do you have to bring to the equation? I'll work what you've got. I'll work what you've got. And guys, what our world needs now, and I mean our world, it's not the world, it's not them, it's us. Like this world is in some ways a mess, but I'm part of the problem. Look, I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. I'm part of the problem because I still get ticked off when I drive every day. (laughs) Folk cut me off. I'm trying to get them to yield because it says yield. They don't know what that means. So I want to give them the right hand of fellowship, you know, like, but but anyways, instead I want to invite them to church. 
I don't. I, I want to, but I don't invite them to church. I just want to give them a stink eye of, of love, you know. Come on, part of the problem. That's just the part I'm willing to share with you. I'm part of the problem, right? It's our world. But what God, what, what this world needs, our world needs is people who are fired up for Jesus, engaged in his purposes. And, 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 and Hebrews 12 says we're supposed to lay aside things like envy and pride and arrogance and fear and apathy, which is just this sort of malaise, like, eh, church, I'll take it or leave it. God, I'll take him or leave it. I don't really, like, put it aside. Living for things much larger than ourselves. But there's a choice. The beginning of a year, there's a choice before all of us. Devoted to me and mine or devoted to God, right? Built on my hopes and my dreams or built on God's word and God's plan, right? It's about who, it's about what you're gonna build your life on. My way or God's way, my story or God's story. Now let me tell you why this is so important. Every person's life. Everyone in this room, everybody watching online has two stories running simultaneously in your life, in the story that is your life. Like, like picture the rails of a, of a railroad track. There's twin rails there. They're going in the same direction, right? One, one, one of the stories is small and, and, and fragile at best. The other is eternal and never-ending, the, the small story, the little story, my story and your story is as brief as the blink of an eye when compared to the other story. The other story, which is God's story, is bigger than the universe. And yet, and yet, there is within you and me, there is this desire within all of us to make our story as big as possible and to attain for ourselves a big story. And in the doing of that, we often blind ourselves to the massive story of God that completely encircles us and surrounds us 24-7. Now, now listen, by, by saying this, I don't want to demean any of you of, of us today. Right? I'm not here to say that you don't matter, that your story isn't important. I'm not even saying that you're not part of God's story. As a matter of fact, I can argue from Scripture that you and I appear on every page of, of that, the eternally unfolding story that we were in fact, according to the Bible, in the mind of God before even the world began. But what I'm saying is that despite our efforts are at grandeur, at stardom, at fame, like even if it's just Insta fame, come on, you know what I'm talking about? There is already a star in the story and you and I are not it. Here's why I bring this up. If we don't get straight on the two stories, then everything in our lives gets out of sync and out of alignment. And then you and I, and we're all guilty to this uh, to some degree or another, we will spend our days trying to make God's big story our story, and we will attempt to place ourselves in the leading role by making it all about us. We will throw all of our energy and all of our hustle and all of our talents and all of our resources into this tiny, fleeting story of us, and in the process, we will miss 
the whole point. And in the end, when the last act is played and when the curtains will come down on our tiny stories, a few hand claps might be heard and then it all will fade to black. And what, what a pitiful return on a story that adds so much potential. The key is to do everything we can to tie ourselves into the larger story of God. We engage in his story. This is what those believers that we read about earlier, this is what they did, they realized, oh, it's not about me. It's not all about me and mine. They, so they throw themselves into the story of God. They devoted themselves to the larger story. They engaged into the larger story of God. And in doing so, in saying it's not about me, it's about him, they actually made their story much larger than it would have ever been on their own. They changed history. There's, there's this thing where Jesus says his kingdom is an upside down thing. It's not me first, it's you first. It's not my way, it's your way. It's not my, it's not my story, it's God's story. And in the process of that, it's inverted and all of a sudden the story that I'm trying so hard to make of my own, when I assign myself to God's story, my story actually gets larger because it's part of something so much bigger. We, we engage the story. We engage the practices that we read about in the story. We do it for a lot of reasons, but, but I would say, I would argue that one of the chief reasons we do is is in response to the engagement of God in our own lives. Can, can I give you a big truth here? God is fully devoted to you and to me. Isn't that crazy? The God whose story is so massive that we can't even begin to comprehend it has involved himself at the granular level of each of your lives and mine. He is involved, he is devoted to me. It is 100% his devotion. It's not like his devotion goes up and down like I do with the Cowboys. One day they win and I'm happy, one day they lose and I can't stand them again. I wanna cut them a little bit for Jesus, come on. I hear talk, people talk about how, man, I feel far from God right now or I feel close to God right now but none of that has anything to do with God moving closer or further away from you. Sometimes he does draw near to the extent that we feel him differently, but he is always 100% engaged with you. He never moves, he never vacillates in his love and his, his devotion to you. He remains devoted 100% through all times and all seasons. And there is this passage of text which is one of my most favorite in the Psalms, Psalm 139. And, and, the, and the writer says this, look at this, it's incredible. Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. That's kind of scary, y'all. Come on, he knows everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up, you know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I am going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and you follow me. You place your hand of fatherly blessing on my head. This is overwhelming the psalmist to the extent that he says such knowledge 
of what he just has penned is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. There is nowhere that you and I can go that God is not engaged with you. You can go to the highest mountain, he's there. You can go to the depths of the sea, he's there. He knows your thoughts even before you think them. Listen, what we read is full devotion at the highest level. The, 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 the passage goes on, I don't have time to read it all, and says that he, he's, he loves you with an everlasting love. What, is, what does that mean? What does everlasting mean? It doesn't end, right? It, then it talks about in this very long passage in verses 13 through 16 about how God knew you before you were born, that he numbered your days then. He knew you even while you were in your mother's womb, and he made you, it says, wonderfully, fearfully and wonderfully were you made. And the application here is that God knows your strengths, and he knows your weaknesses, and he knows the good parts about you, and he knows the quirky parts of your personality, and yet he still chooses to love you and desires a relationship with you, that God wants to be intimately involved in your life and in mine. But if that's not enough, if, if the Old Testament and what we read in there isn't enough, then God says through Jesus, look, if you don't believe what I've written down in the Bible, then just look at what I did through Jesus. Because Jesus is the ultimate uh, demonstration of God's engagement in our lives. God allowed Jesus, who was both God and man, to live to die on the cross for our sins and then to be raised up and to show us, and he did this to save us, but also to show us in this most visible ways of, of God's love and devotion in our lives. You wanna know how much God loves you. You wanna, you wanna know how far God is willing to go to prove that love to you, then just look at the cross. Romans 5, 8 says for God, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. Hey, we're back. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The truth about God's love is it's, it's, it's unconditional. It's not altered by our disbelief or by our present or past behavior. He doesn't love us less. He's not intimidated by the bad decisions we've made. His devotion is unswerving. It never drifts south of full devotion. Even when the people that he is devoted to will often drift, and we read that throughout the Bible. God is not a distant God. He's not watching us from a distance as that old song says. God is fully devoted to us and John three sixteen says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's full engagement, full devotion. There is no question about God's devotion to you and to me but the end of the Psalm 139, David goes on, he says, search me, O God. Know my heart. Not the person that I project. Know my heart, test me, and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. The Psalm ends with an examination where David says, you know, God, the issue is not are you devoted to me because we just read how devoted he is. The issue is am I devoted to you? So, so, so if God is 100% devoted to us, then we have to ask ourselves, and this is what David's saying, search me. 
Examine me, test me. Where am I at? How devoted am I? How engaged am I? I would challenge you, in, in light of, of this new year, in light of last year, how are you doing when it comes to your devotion to God? Listen, maybe this message isn't for anybody but me, but I know that 2020 took a lot from me. I know it took a lot from you. Some of you way more than me. Some of you way more than other people that's here. It's, it took a lot. But when I sort of begin examining myself in this break in between Christmas, I realized that more got drained out of me than what I had even fully realized. And so I'm saying, God, search me. God, know me. God, test me. See my anxious thoughts. And I realize that that if there's a tank and this is full, that, that, that part of that tank has gone a little empty, a little dry. And some of you would say, Danny, my devotion level is higher than it's ever been, right? I'm more engaged with God than I've ever been. I'm, you're growing, you're, you're developing, you're becoming more and more like Jesus. That's, that's the goal, by the way. It's not about a bunch of things. It's about becoming more like Jesus. You're, you're overcoming the bad things that are in your life and you're finding peace with God. That's awesome. Others of you would say, Danny, my level has been pretty static or it's declining. That's you. If you, if you feel like your level with God is flat or, or if it's declining, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here because oftentimes when a person feels like this, what they'll do is the opposite of what they, could, they should do. They'll feel distance from God. They'll feel you know, def- deflated or defeated on some level. And instead of turning to God and running to God's house and running to God's people, they'll turn away. They'll fall away. And we saw that over and over again in 2020. People all across the country who've called themselves believers for a year, many of whom just turned and walked away from church, from, from, from faith, from God, from God's people. They stopped reading their Bible. They stopped gathering whether online or in person with other believers. They stopped doing the things that they, they'd always done. So, so if that's you, if you're watching today, if you're here, I'm so glad you're here. Because the beautiful thing about God's house is that we're here to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. We don't have to walk the walk alone. We don't have to just talk the talk alone. We have people who would say, listen, Danny, it's me. My tank is empty. I'm dry. I'm far from where I want to be. And I'm not here to beat you up for that today. I'm not here to say, hey, you're at a one and you should be at a 10. I'm saying wherever you are, I'm so glad you're here. Because God has one word for you. And that's come on, y'all. We can do this. We can go the extra mile. We can go. We've got each other's backs. We can get in a group. We can start to read God's word again. We, we can get a devotion plan on, on you version. We can grab one of these books on the way out today, 21 Days of Prayer. I don't know how to pray, Danny. Well, guess what? Somebody, not me, somebody has taken the time to write some model prayers from the scriptures. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. Follow this. Start somewhere. Come on, y'all. Let's Come on, let's spur one another on towards love, towards good deeds. I'm flat. I'm telling you, I'm a little flat. I'm counting on you to pray for me. You can count on me to pray for you. This is what they did. This is what they did. 
This is the perfect time to say, hey, God, search me. Figure out where I'm at. Get a gauge and then own your spiritual life. Look, here's what I want to tell you. I, I don't want Life Point to be some nice little church where people can just come and stay in neutral. Like you can come here, kick the tires. If you're not sure about faith, man, you are welcome here 100%. Nobody's gonna push you. Nobody's gonna force you. Nobody's gonna do anything. But for those of you who would say, I, I believe Jesus. I believe in God's word, but I'm not doing much about it. I, I want you to feel a little challenged. I, I promise you in 2021, we're going to challenge you not, 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 not to beat you up, not to wear you out more than you already are, but to be more like Jesus and less and less and less like this world. I want God to show up here in powerful and in supernatural ways. I want us to be fully devoted. I want us to be Acts 2 kinds of people. God demonstrates his power in tangible ways, and that begins and when you and I say, God, I'm going to take a move towards you. Here's what I want to ask you. Would you join me? Life point, would you join me? Could we go after God more than we ever have before? Can we start out with 21 days of prayer? You can fast whatever you want, however you want. I have a way I'm gonna fast over 21 days. Some of you can't do 21 days. Some of you won't do 21 days. I'm not asking you to do 21 days if that's not where you're at right now. I'm asking you to do something. Make a step towards God and God will take a step for you. You want a move of God? Start with a move by you. Last thing I'm going to tell you. If you wonder who is worthy of your full engagement and your full devotion, I'm going to tell you nobody's more worthy than Jesus. There is no one like Jesus. There is no job. There is no hobby. There is no fear. There is no worry. There is no cause that is more worthy of our devotion and our focus than him. You know, tonight when you and I go to bed, when we finally turn off our phones, our computers, television, when you lay your head be down on that pillow and you go to sleep, long after you're asleep, the Bible says that there will be angels and people from every tribe and tongue and kindred singing the praises of, and the glory of Jesus. Every time you look, every time you get a glimpse into what's going on in heaven, it's always holy, 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 and worthy, worthy, worthy. Matter of fact, this is the last thing I wanna read. Revelation 5, John gets a glimpse in, in the book of Revelation, and it says in chapter five, then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000 and they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders and in a loud voice they sang, worthy is the lamb who was slain, that's Jesus on the cross, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Meaning there is no one more worthy of your time and your devotion and your finances and your focus than Jesus. Worthy, worthy, worthy. Would, would you stand just for a moment?
We're not quite done. I want you, if you don't mind, just sing us a little bit more of that song. Would you sing this out? Just, just a little bit of this song. Worthy is the Lamb. Come on, sing it. Worthy of every song we can ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we can ever bring. He's worthy of every breath we can ever breathe. We live for you. Jesus. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. Come on, sing this together. Sing holy. And holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder. Show. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.